Welcome to the Special Delivery Damn Near Daily Podcast. I am your host, Special, and on this show, I do one of two things. Either I'm highlighting brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down everything you don't know and should know about their latest project. If that sounds good to you, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. This episode is a little bit of a longer one, but Humble the Poet and I had such a great time breaking down his project, Righteous and Ratchet. We talk about Mrs. Doubtfire and why he chose to name his song that and how it's about mental health and not judging celebrities who struggle with mental health we also talked about his song i will and how that song was inspired by an experience with the rock as well as the music video being inspired by the movie warriors then we talk about his song hair what the acronym may or may not stand for and just how everything feels different in california as well as being influenced by pharrell and outcast then we talked about his song you and just his writing style and how it's changed he used to just go with subject matter but now he's exploring feelings and actually learning about himself while writing then we talk about him only being 50 percent of a song and the importance of an engineer and we ended it by talking about the last track on the project which is blame muslims which is just an acapella spoken word so let's get into it here with humble the poet how you doing i'm fantastic how you doing i'm great i'm so happy to have you here i'm so excited to talk about righteous and ratchet we're gonna break it all the way down let's do it i want to get started with my favorite mrs doubtfire yes so important just about mental health about how we judge celebrities how did you come up with the title for it why did you go with mrs doubtfire versus robin williams or any other aliases he went by lost in yesterday now never feel a win now never feel the same now i'm holding it together with some chewing gum and duct tape Double middle finger, motherfuck fakes. Keep it real, under real, be a gift and a curse. And I've been living rough days. Don't wanna let my thoughts out, but they dripping. I know that I'm slipping, but where to? I don't know. I think it's just, just been this story, like even with Prince, uh, Robin Williams, anybody that passes away, there's always like a subset of people that are gonna be talking about like, oh, it was, oh, he didn't have enough money, so he killed himself. Oh, he did this, he did that. And you just have this realization that, like, people, you know, the more you become a public figure, the more people who know about you, but not necessarily care about you. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty. We we might see a celebrity in the airport. We know who they are, but we don't necessarily have an emotional stake into them. And Robin Williams is somebody I definitely had an emotional stake. His what he brought to the world and just that vibe it was just always fantastic and you know if you dig a little deeper you know this was something that he was dealing with in the mental health realm of things and so for me you know as i said the same shit that killed mrs doubtfire and like you know that was one of those moments so the robin williams situation wasn't the inspiration behind the song that was kind of uh where it ended um and where mrs doubtfire kind of came from but it, it really kind of came from like seeing you know, when Kanye uh, was going through what he refers to as his breakthrough and, um, again, what how the world was responding to it. And, again, it was, it was me as well spending more time on social media back then than I should have. And you just get exposed to all these just uninformed opinions and speculations. And it just really, it really tears away at your own spirit. Seeing that and then, you know, also seeing, like, you know, Selena Gomez go and, and do a talk and then seeing a completely different reaction. And really just kind of being like, okay, this is, has been happening. 
since the Martin Lawrence and, you know, Dave Chappelle called. So he's like, you know, these are strong people. What is it? And I think in my own journey now, uh, as I'm playing different levels in this video game, you know, known as Hollywood, uh, I definitely see how it takes a toll on your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health. And I think so that was kind of what it was. And um, the producer, Sick Knowledge, it really came from him. He's like, look, make that track, tell that story about mental health for the people who don't know how to tell this story. You know, and, and, and they just they just get dismissed as, as dramatic or crazy, but they don't have the language and the tools. And as somebody who put words together, that's my job. So that's kind of where that track came from. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think the best example that she used was Britney Spears. It's like when she saved her head, look at how we looked at her. And it was like now looking back on it, we're kind of like, oh, snap. Like everybody wants to say, oh, if Britney made it through that year, I can make it through it. Yeah. It's like, no, like this is a bigger conversation about mental health and how we look at quote unquote regular people and how we look at celebrities and just how we look at humans in general who are just trying to make it through the day yeah. and be okay. I think taking this journey, being a public figure or chasing success or what have you, you know, if you're doing it to address mental health, it's the salt to your wound. It's only going to amplify it. And there's so many documented cases and examples of even people that we all admire. It's just there's going to be a struggle with mental health. And this isn't going to help in any way, shape or form. And uh, I think having that empathy towards these artists who create. I think a lot of them came into this world and came into this industry wanting that contract. I make for you. You respond. We'll go on tour, pay some bills. It's not... You get involved in every single element of my life, start judging me, you know, and trying to force me to give you more of the picture or the context of it. And I think it's very difficult because, I mean, I was on the other side and always thinking, well, this person's got a lot of money. They have nothing to worry about. This person's got this famous. This person's got a six pack. This person's got whatever. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of problems money can never fix. But money can make worse, you know, and, and these people are dealing with that as well as this high stake dog eat dog very selfish priority-based industry and uh it's a lot and i feel like i'm just trying to encourage more self-awareness and compassion from that song yeah no both are super super important especially today when people are being a little more open with it but even on the other side people are lives are being invaded all the time it's like let's have a little compassion slow down and just have an idea of some mindfulness of what you think yeah and i think for me it was definitely trying to help people put into words what they might be feeling or what they might be going through and addressing, you know, some of the reactions they get. And again, even the people who are reacting, it's just because they don't have the tools. You know, they, they didn't have an option. It's not like they teach it in school, like how to be supportive to somebody who's dealing with something, you know, related to mental health. And I think everyone doesn't have the tools. So just try to equip people. And my purpose here as somebody who puts words together is to help put those words together for them. Now, let's talk about the title. I totally meant to do that in the beginning, and I didn't. <laughs> I got so excited to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. Righteous and Ratchet, where did that title come from? I mean, the saying has been out there. Charlemagne says it a lot. Um, I think it was kind of a modern take on yin and yang. Kind of, you know, I'm not part of the whole it's black or it's white conversation. I'm not part of the it's good or it's evil. This is good news, this is bad news. It's, everything is gray. It's all, it's all the gray in between. And... You know, so this is realizing that you can talk about things that are important and also still, you know, make irresponsible adult decisions. You can still, you know, be on your own journey and figuring out who you are and experimenting and traveling and and doing things that people consider sinful or doing things that people can look down upon. Like you can do you can be you are everything. 
that's kind of where Righteous and Ratchet came from. And I think for me, with the subject matter that was kind of being discussed in the song, it was everything in that spectrum from Righteous to Ratchet. Makes sense. When you first hear it, you're like, we don't get to see the Ratchet side of Humble ever. So it was interesting to kind of go on that journey with you. But also, you know what I mean? Play both sides because you are a human being who incorporates both sides into your life. So I think that that was super, super interesting. Let's get started with the first track too, I Will. Kind of shattering expectations, being yourself versus the mainstream. Who did you have in mind when you wrote that one? Let alone the cattle heard it by. Had me down at the sour chunky and expired. Power lies within. Bring a monkey wrench, it's time to ride. Junkie for that funky shit. Bumping up the trunk. Fuck the punk police. Drunk up powers over all you cowards. No, you know what? You sound well. So the theme of the idea, uh, that was inspired by The Rock. I got to meet The Rock at a movie premiere, and he's just super nice. And then had a, a second experience with him. I was helping Lily shoot a video with The Rock. And um, I was in charge of feeding him lines. I was, I was directing the video, so I was feeding him lines. And um, just during a camera lens change, like everyone was just downtime, um, he just casually says, Hey, Humble, I just heard you had a birthday. Happy birthday. And, like, the entire room just, like, they all gave me that look like holy shit the rock knows who you are he knew it was his birthday and it's just kind of realizing that like you know those small efforts to go above and beyond a lot of people in hollywood are, are nice to people who are of use to them and you know this was the exact opposite and, and just realizing that you know and he's at the top of his industry you know, commercially coming out, telling amazing stories, diversity, you know, what he did with Moana, et cetera. So it's like he's doing that. He's not pulling any snake moves. How can you progress in this industry and still be a wonderful person? And I think what I realized with all the people, it wasn't just him. It's Gunal Nair from, uh, you know, Big Bang Theory, you know, Lily, all these very, these top earners, these top uh, achievers, they haven't lost their sense of self. And a lot of it has to do with, because if you got the work ethic, then you don't really have to worry about all the finagling and the networking and the games and the silly shit. If you if you work, your work speaks for itself. So that's what like I know you will. You know I know you won't, but yes I will. Like it's, I'm not gonna play games. So it kind of came from that kind of that moment where I realized like the only leverage you need need in this game is your craft, your work, your art. If you keep making stuff that other people can't make, you really don't have to play any of that other shit. That's kind of where that part came from, and. Um, the the beat sick kick who's super talented he he does a lot of pop music he has a lot of r&b but he, he's just such a, a savant musically he can really blend it all in and he had given me that production a, a while back and then another producer by the name of ali durani he did la for me for me and lily he, he did that track and he also does a lot of her music for her videos if you ever hear any music She's doing a Game of Thrones theme or something like that. He's doing all that music. He's he's another brilliant savant out of Toronto. And uh, we were working on music for Lily, working on her Voices project, um, you know, because she was producing it, writing it, recording it all on the same night. So it's just a little assembly line going and trying to get stuff done. And during one of the breaks, I played him the beat. And then he, he loved the beat. And he took the MP3 and started cutting it up and reorganizing it. He's like, this is what you need. This is, you know, what you need to open with. This is where you need to take it. This is the energy the first verse should have, the second verse. So he really gave it this 
emotional narrative that I didn't hear in the beat before. And it was so organic. And the Sidkicks is super cool. He's very easy to work with. Like, you know, if you're like, hey, I need your files, he just gives them up. Hey, I need you to, to fix this up and do it. So it was a really cool process of that. So then with Ali's direction, he was like, you know, the first verse should have this feel, mm-hmm. you know? Normally I, was, I used to write the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And this was like writing to a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, the second verse has got to have this type of aggression. The third verse needs to have this sort of darkness. And it was both a collection of stuff I wrote on the spot and stuff that I've been writing for years so that second verse I wrote in like 2011 you know and for me that's more chip on the shoulder humble the poet I got I have to prove that I got lyrics that's who that guy was when he wrote that it was a a, a very different time that's kind of where this track came and I felt like it was a very powerful kind of entrance and and an energy for where where it was you know also breaking my like I'll never use autotune but it's like yo some of that stuff's cool to play with it wasn't you know it wasn't something I signed up for he did it and I heard it and I was like oh that's super cool a very organic track it wasn't like made for a specific project or whatever and I think it came out beautifully that's so dope I love not only people who have like these crazy visions that you never thought of but also like approaching the track differently like you said you used to just do subject matter but now it's like okay now we're matching emotion and I think that's so cool because it really shows on the track to it and it's like how you're saying too like the entrance is crazy so to put that at the beginning of the project makes perfect sense boom we're here it's going down come on in we're doing this and that's how we made the video too we made the video to match the emotions instead of you know it wasn't like you seeing a video about the song you know a lot of the video was inspired by the film The Warriors from the 70s with all these, with all these gangs. Just taking that as a, as a very vague foundation and then really just trying to add layers of it and telling different stories. So trying to talk about everything from like affluenza to cultural appropriation to kids' fast fashion in the future, um, you know, paying homage to my favorite, you know, video, music videos from Busta Rhymes, from Missy Elliott, and just really trying to create a moment out of it. Super proud of how it turned out. I think it was definitely a great song, yeah. Yeah, no, the song and the video are so fire. If the people haven't checked it out, make sure you do. Cause yes, check out the video. The video will definitely help you appreciate the song. And that was always the case. I knew it wasn't people weren't going to get it until I was able to add more to the story. And the video will definitely make you like the song. And it's just beautiful. On top of that, it's gorgeously shot. So, oh my goodness. That leads us to the next video, Hair. Yes. Reminiscing on a breakup and kind of paying homage to a lot of really dope hip-hop throughout the years at the same time. So I think that was a super dope way to kind of approach it. When you thought about this song, how did you figure out where you wanted to go with it? Outcast on deck And a tribe called Quest Donuts spinning on my mind And I'm always on my grind I love you last fall Right up to the summer, 31st of February, you were never coming, but I love the way your hair feels. Kind of realizing that there's a lot, a lot of what we find important relates back to our emotions and uh, nostalgia, you know? So I think what that was is like, like the sound of the, the song is California. It's produced by King Sherwin Keith Rice, hands down one of the most talented guys out of the West Coast. What it was is like if California had its own pair of, you know, rosy colored, like there's a, there's a pair of glasses called California. When you experience something in California, it's different. Heartbreak feels different. You're, you know, a great day feels like just everything is a very different experience in this state. After spending a lot of time out here, I think that's kind of where, where it came from. So it was, uh, again, I, I spent a lot more time focusing on feeling than subject. I think for me, I was, I was spending too much time up here, not enough time 
you know, down here. For the people that can't see, he pointed oh. to his head and then his heart. Yes, <laughs> yes, sorry. He didn't point anywhere else, guys. <laughs> then I went down. Then he pointed to his crotch. <laughs> That's the next album. You know? Righteous Ratchet and then Very Ratchet. <laughs> Super Ratchet. It's Righteous Ratchet and BET After Dark. Hey, okay, yeah. baby. <laughs> it was a California feel, and um, King, he's another savant, plays, can play, make anything music. Doesn't even need an instrument. Mm. We're just having a California day. Like, I went to a spot, you know, a lot of procrastinating, a lot of goofing around, a lot of going for walks, walking to the corner store, grabbing something, just just a lot of that. And, you know, sitting down and just be like, well, just make something from scratch. Really trying to just create something that was a little bit more, uh, I guess, felt more sunshiny. I wanted to feel, you know, a little bit brighter. Um, and at the same time, kind of talk about, you know, like, Again, the sunset on the beach, sunrise from the hill, bare feet. Like that, those are all like, you know, things that I have vivid memories of in like through my California lenses. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So like calling back, you know, outcast on deck and tribe call cuz those like, you know, those were the things that hit me during my formative years. You know, cuz when you're a teenager, when everything they're all timestamps. Mm-hmm. Every moment of your life has a specific song. So it wasn't even paying homage, it was more like, yo, reliving those timestamps. Mm-hmm who I was, what I was doing, and, and, you know, and that was a time, you know, when you're younger, experiencing so many firsts, so many firsts, and that's why they're your formative years, and if you want to do that as an adult, you really have to go out of your way to do something for the first time. So I think it was a celebration of that, as well as me just kind of getting more into learning song structure as well, so like chants, you know, spending more time on that, no longer just being the guy who's looking to kill the 16, you know, looking to be like, okay, what, how does this make me feel? What does this remember? And, you know, the stories of that girl who, you know, was so aesthetically beautiful, things about her that, you know, irked me, I would just look the other way, you know, because I love the way your hair feels. It's super soft. You know, you can be a jerk to me, that won't impact how soft your hair still feels, you know. And everyone's had some version of that in their life. So I think that's kind of where it came from. And then um, some really great people just, you know, it was it was interesting. It was like, look, you, I think I wanted to make a song like I Will, the opening uh, like video as well. And I had a couple of other tracks that I was finishing up, and then a really wise homie f- from Toronto named Che Guitari, he's super smart, he's a music manager out there, he's just like, hey, I'm sure you have a predominantly female audience. He's like, what are the numbers? And it's true, it's about probably 75, 25. And uh, he's like, how come you never create music for them or, like, you know, put stuff out for them? It's, you know, your hardcore hip-hop or hardcore lyricism. That's not always necessarily what, you know, and Tupac was saying that, back, you know, make, make it for the women and the guys will follow. And so I played him hair, which was half done at the time. And he goes, this is the one. He goes, the, the song structure is there. There's, there's a lot of, you know, different things. They're like, this is what it is. And I think it was me again. In my earlier years, it was either you're formulaic or you're not. I want to be free as a bird. And I was kind of be like, no, like there's there's a reason structure exists. Song structure exists. There's reasons all of this. And you and everybody's doing it. Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, like there's a reason they do it. There's a reason these guys all have these catchy moments. And I think that's what that was for me. That was my, but I, I wanted to do it as organically as possible. So I did it all on the spot. We wrote the song. Was, the whole song was written in like one session. Oh, wow. And it wasn't a very like difficult session it was you know it wasn't a very long session it was just very like whatever comes out comes out where the old me would be like well does the verse tie into the this you know like no these are just moments these are feelings these are experiences just have it there that's what this is this is to help people deal with you know rush hour traffic you know and then the video 
the infancy concept was like let's have as many girls as we can with different types of hair but then it evolved into like let's celebrate real diversity and i think real diversity isn't ethnicity real diversity is like the archetypes especially in, i'm from toronto so we have the ethnic diversity and we've been you know in our branding we've been leaning on it for way too long and the reality is now you can find people of the same ethnicity with like five different vibes you can find somebody you call a hipster or a yuppie somebody really professional somebody who's in goth somebody who's a skater you know somebody expressing themselves beyond what they were born as which is out of their control and so i, I really want to do that with women without kind of having this Again, instead of swinging the pendulum one way or the other, it's not women are objects or women are all queens on, on, on the throne. It's everything in between. It's righteous and ratchet. So just really kind of show a diverse set of females, diverse thought, diverse style, diverse looks, diverse abilities, diverse everything. Just really, really kind of doing it. Just celebrating them and creating, again, going back to what I love about like the Busta Rhymes videos, like every scene, there's so many new tableaus and new little stories and trying to have these little individual stories based off of my experiences with females, based off my experiences in the game. So if you haven't seen the video, check it out again. It's just these little mini tableaus, different stories, all featuring super fly women super dope and everybody was kind of given an opportunity to be them in whatever way so you know if they felt like shaking their booty they shook their booty if they felt like just being cute they were cute if they felt like spraying me in the face with a water bottle they did it like all of it's there and uh on my instagram i've actually profiled like each individual female told her, her story where she came from how we connected some of them are people i've known for years some of the people i just met at that and highlighting all Toronto. I think the other thing too, highlighting like the entire, everybody in front and behind the camera from both of these music videos are from the city of Toronto and really trying to push our city's artistic movement because way too many people think they got to come to the States to make it happen. And that might be true for many people, but we can at least start laying the groundwork yeah. for Toronto for not everyone to feel like they need to do that yeah. and they can make some dope shit where they're from. Exactly. Showcase it. Show them that it happens here and let them come and do it there, too. It makes, yeah, completely. It, it makes perfect sense. I love the story about just doing it on the spot like that. Freedom must have been incredible. Just it's like, it's terrifying as well. Myself. It's tricky. The challenge is the, the one thing because I didn't come up into this with any like type of like formal ment mentorship. So I'm just watching people's interviews and trying to soak in as many gems as I can. And the one thing that I wasn't prepared for is when things worked out beyond my expectations. Mm. Because like you you know you make a bunch of songs and they're, and they're hitting what you thought they were gonna hit then you drop a song and then it goes boom then all of a sudden you have you've been exposed to an audience that really doesn't want you to go too far and change mm -hmm. and a guy like me grew up on Outcast so for me it was the opposite it was like whatever they put out tomorrow will not sound like what they put out yesterday it's a journey mm -hmm. but there are some artists and I love them that you know I know what they're going to give me mm -hmm. it's a certain sound it's their sound and I love them for it. But at the same time, their careers can all fit on one album, which is fine, and I love it. But I, my most, you know, impactful artists were like the, the outcasts of the world, you know, or the Pharrells, or the ones that just came out of nowhere. We're just like, how did this, the person who did this do that? So when you have these really big hits, and then you try to stay on that journey, then you know it, it can get into your head because people are like, oh, I really like that, but I don't, you know, and you, you realize like, yeah, but I put that out for that time, that moment, and I have to keep, it's a journey for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the, that exercise was. That exercise was kind of, um, all right, 
today, no matter what, you know, like put the phone away, no excuses. We're going to sit here. We're just going to do it from scratch, you know, because I used to be the guy who'd be like, all right, cool. Email me the beat. and I'm going to sit at home and do my homework and do it by myself. And this was like, no. And I think it was cool because we, t- we were taking the experiences that we were having of the day mm-hmm. and how that works and stories he was sharing, sharing with me, you know, like he, he had a story of being parked three blocks from his house. You know, like having a cigarette and then, you know, having, you know, people on the street, like calling the cops on him. And then the cops having to, like, double check his ID for him to prove that he's a local. He's in, you know what I mean? Like, and that that becomes a real, it's a lot realer out here, you know, especially in comparison to what I would personally experience or witness myself in my part of Toronto. Having all these experiences and trying to really put them all in into a song and just really have it as more of a feeling than a subject. I was going to ask about Outkast, but she answered my question. I feel like our generation is really like children of Outkast. Like, I really want to put that on a t-shirt because we learned so many things from them that we're still figuring out. Like, we'll go back to lyrics and be like, oh, that's what he meant. I think Outkast is such a good example of just who we are and how we learn things, but also like the mainstream i remember being young and hearing outcast on the radio i was like oh snap yeah. this can be on the radio like this is incredible and i just love how you always bring up outcast so i'm like it was again hands down the group that had the most impression on me and this is and this is back in a time where we had the luxury and i see it as a luxury of taking one and i'm talking about tapes to cds but you take one cd and you put it in your your disc man you press play and you absorb it from end to end and um that over and over and over and over and over again. Like it's like watching the same movie ten times. You pick up so much different stuff, you know. And now, obviously, with streaming, you got an endless option. So we're not immersing ourselves in music anymore. And I immersed myself in music back then. It was it was a soundtrack to me walking to school. It was the reason I walked a long way home. It was just it was that, and it was a, a big core of my my self esteem. So it was like, you know, I'm in so much debt to hip hop, and you know that's my. My, my reason for participating in the culture you know it's it's i'm trying to fill in gaps pay it back in any way i can and with hair the million dollar question what does the acronym stand for there's a few different acronyms at that point it was more of a of a pete rock homage reminiscence of you it was more so that there wasn't a specific acronym one of the homies hit me up with a really good acronym and it was one of those moments where it's like yeah that's exactly what i was thinking <laughs> you got yeah, I was watching the video with Jordan Peele doing that. People were hitting him up with these get out theories. And then once in a while, they were just so good. We we're just like, yeah, of course. That's obviously why I did it. And I have a lot of those moments, too, where it's just like, yeah, th- those happen by mistake, but 1,000%. So that's one of those situations where it's more like homage to that and uh, let people let it be what it needs to be for them. Speaking of you, man, basically breaking down the depression that comes with a breakup. That wrote itself. That's what I was going to ask, because sometimes the kind of more painful songs can be easier and sometimes they can be more difficult. So was that one easier in a sense? Definitely. I think I was singing that hook to myself forever. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember spending a lot of time writing that one. 
I think that one needed to come out. I think that was sitting there for a long time and needed to come out. And I'm learning too now that, uh, again, there was a big gap in me making music and I had to do other stuff just to to make money, pay bills, and survive. So, And I looked at music as a, a luxury that I didn't deserve yet, um, which was probably completely incorrect. Uh, it probably would have helped my mental health during that time. But um, one of the things I, I did realize that, like the old me was always figuring things out and making the song. Let me figure something out. You know, I'd be talking about topics. I'd be like, uh, let me talk about Israel and Palestine. So let me go do some research and now let me share all these points. This would be like, okay, I'm going through something. Let me figure it out through creating this song. And I think that was like a new breakthrough for me. It was like, figure it out. You don't have to have it figured out. Figure it out in the song. And, and again, stop thinking about the audience. It's not, you're only 50% of this. I'm part of the assembly line. I'm not giving out a finished product. I might be the guy who just puts the box together and the next person puts whatever. And I realized that like, I'm only 50% of the song. And that's why like that one, like there's many people in my life I wish, you know, I could erase or, uh, you know, there's many days in my life I wish I could replace. Like who doesn't have like, and that was that. Still writing the video for it, but I think um, I want the video to kind of reflect that, it being that the anthem of everybody like that's the everybody anthem there isn't a tax bracket that that protects you from those feelings uh there isn't a social status that protects you from that feeling there's nothing that protects you from singing that chorus from your chest that one's there so um reminiscing on the times that you actually did you took those steps and trying to go back and relive them and make sense of it and justify your bullshit but at the same time acknowledge your bullshit you mentioned the video for that one are you still doing planning on doing a video for every song that's a promise i made myself and i'm really really trying to um i think the first hurdle i had to get over was releasing the i will video as late as i did i used to tell myself you got to have all your videos done and do a role you know like jay-z can drop his uh, you know a feature film once a week for his project i don't have those capabilities but not having those capabilities was slowing me down from releasing stuff you know now it's just release it when it's ready you know i might have to do other projects in between you know i might release other music in between but release it when it's ready when you're proud of the creative and what have you so, and i really just kind of write them in my head very slowly so they might get full music videos and there might also be kind of a, a situation where i use them as soundtracks to pieces or, or moments in a video if i do a short film or something no, that makes perfect sense. No, I remember you were talking about in other interviews, you are talking to Lindsay Sterling and you're like, I have to do it all at one time. She's like, no, you don't have yeah. to do it all at one time. And I think that's important too, like how you're talking about how, you know, know what I mean? You have to do other projects in order to keep the music going. And I think that's important too, because we live in such a microwave era to yeah. where people will just pop out music pop out music and it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't last and it's just like okay cool yeah. but for you to actually take time with the music take time with the music videos it's so important and as a creative you get so frustrated and overwhelmed because you're like i just want to put it all out but it's like no actually taking the time really shows when you watch it back or you listen to it back and you're like oh no this is like incredible and time needed to be taken but it's hard to tell yourself that it's super hard especially when you're trying to you know do it and make a living it's also hard because you know we're all so used to getting our dopamine drop immediately once we do something and the long-term projects don't have to be there because everything is so immediate now everything is so convenient we can do everything conveniently and i think for me is i think it's just kind of realizing like yeah but I also grew up in a time where these conveniences didn't exist and it was so much fun to be immersed in something and do something. And the truth is, you're not wrong 
to release a 25 track album because the almighty algorithms that dictate these will smile upon you because that's what they want they want that quantity you know there's a really good reason for that and i respect that and admire that i think if i was able to if i had the resources the energy the the structure to, to pump up pump it out quicker which i'm working towards i will but i can't sacrifice the content for the process i gotta just do it slowly and hope it gets faster and and, and i'm not going anywhere jay-z has has made the runway very long so we can we can be hip-hop artists you know when this beard is completely gray i can still i can still be rhyming so i think for me there's that and there's also kind of realizing going back when I was on the the quantity over quality, put in, put out work, put out work, chase a trend, do whatever. When when some of those phases had gone, it's not like anything really wonderful came from that. And all the good stuff usually came from the stuff I took my time doing. And and I'm learning too. Like I can I can get more good workout when I work with people, when I collaborate. Um, there's structure, there's accountability, there's stuff that needs to kind of get done with that. I want to get all these music videos done, but I want them to be dope. I want them to be great. There's actually stuff from my previous project. With King, that I still there's a video. I have a video for almost every song on that except for History, which is a, a short film. And I already have this video created in my head. And sometimes it's just about the right time. You get the right resources. We started with Canon Power Shots. You know, now there's a team that can shoot these cinematic music videos that I'm able. To, you know, it didn't happen overnight. I'm respecting that process even when it comes to these projects right now. So, you know, wanting to shoot a really dope video for Mrs. Doubtfire, I have six or seven ideas. But I will. We had, you know, 60-plus people. We had, you know, 30-plus ideas. We had. We ended up shooting, you know, 10, 15 different scenes, and it took six months. But it's something that I can, you know, watch with a smile on my face and want to show other people. And it's like, it's like having a baby and being very proud of it. It's not... What's next? On to the next one, simply. So I, I really want to, and um, but I'm not going to fight it. And yeah, definitely that Lindsey Sterling conversation. Again, I'm grateful to have access to somebody like Lindsey Sterling. That's not something everybody has, and especially as an independent musician like that. Lindsey Sterling, if you don't know, she plays the violin. She was on, I think, America Got Talent, and um, I think Ozzy Osbourne's wife. She was judging, and she said to Lindsey Sterling, "I don't think there's a market for what you do." And Lindsey Sterling travels the world right now doing 5,000 people seats. One of the most successful independent artists in history. Mm -hmm. She's got gold records and she doesn't have a record label. And uh, she did it all herself. And at the same time, she's just the most happy-go-lucky, sweetest human being ever. She's so good at what she does. You start feeling yourself for just being around her. You're like, yo, how did I come across such an elite human being? And I'm very fortunate. I know a lot of people who do things on such an elite level. And it's so inspiring. And yeah, get these sessions to pick their brain. And it was her because her videos, that's something I'm inspiring to. She shoots the most creative, you know, eye-catching, just it's, it's such beautiful music videos. And she drops them when she drops them. And she, she said, she goes, I dropped this video a year and a half after the song came out. She, she's like, it'll get the bump. It'll still get, it'll bump on the streams. Like, you don't have to do everything. She'll just do it when it's ready. And um, you just have to be self-aware as to whether you're being patient or you're procrastinating. And that's the big difference. Being patient is waiting for the necessary time it takes for things to get ready. Procrastinating is just making a bunch of bullshit excuses not to do it. And it's finding that. 
knowing some you know very hard workers out there in LA who are cool being patient things take some time and that's the big lesson from that so these videos will come out when they come out in the form that they need to come out yeah. but I think that you have this feeling of like a microwave era but you also kind of have this longevity era with the internet because w- when people drop videos like you said for songs a year and a half later like the fans love it so much that they're happy to see it and they're ready to see it so it's like you do kind of have this way to do it later on and it's okay and we've always had it and it's like it's like with food you want your food fast and quick then you can get mcdonald's you know if you want your food high quality whatever you go to a nice fancy restaurant there's a difference in a lot of it in terms of price but as well as like you eat too much mcdonald's you see what happens i get the convenience of it obviously mcdonald's probably has a lot more money than a lot of these these bougie ass restaurants but it's you deciding who you are and there's certain parts of you that naturally gravitate towards one or the other i grew up on slow cooked food i didn't grow up on a lot of the fat but i love all i I love all of that too and i think now we're in the best age because there's a lot of these bridges you know whether you hear kendrick on a rich the kid track or whether you hear all those 21 savage ad-libs on the donald glover track you know this is no longer them and us it's no longer backpackers and conscious rappers it's yo everyone's an artist doing dope stuff being their authentic self wherever they're from unapologetically and Bridges can get, you know, Kanye was doing that. He was putting Bieber and Raekwon on a track or shit, you know, it was revolutionary. They put most deaf and freeway on a track. So now, you know, we can just continue bridging those. So good. Now two words is playing in my head and I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) And then anything else you want to tell the people about Righteous and Ratchet? Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, the last track, Blame Muslims, the spoken word. Goodness, hold on. Yep. (laughs) I'm like, I totally missed that part. Oh, it's all good. So... Blame Muslims, so important, so important that you just left it as spoken word because I know the way your music career has worked, you kind of went from spoken word to rapping. But to leave that as it is so that people are super listening to the words is so important. But I was curious why you left that at the end. My coffee's too hot. Blame Muslims. Plus Starbucks so pricey. Blame Muslims. They invented the Java and I'm so addicted. So now I'm blaming all of them for what they inflicted. My neighbor's so loud. Blame Muslims. Always playing his guitar. Blame Muslims. I mean, they invented the thing and I'm sick of those strings. So I'm gonna blame every single Muslim. I think, you know, if we created a spectrum, definitely towards w- w- whatever you want to say. It was much more of a potent one way. You know, it was a, it was a blend of comedy and social commentary. I originally wanted it to be recited by children. I wanted the audio to be recited by children. That's why the video, I have kids doing it. I would have wanted like exactly how the video turned out. I would have wanted that to be the audio and just let it be this piece in itself. Um, So it's a little less about me and more about just the idea of uh, responsibility displacement, you know, mass punishment, confirmation bias, all these things that we're experiencing on, on every side of the spectrum, whether you super right, whether you ultra left or anything in between. And um, I think it was from that perspective. And it was also something that I also realized is one of the few, few subject matters that I probably may not even outlive. I used to rap a lot about specific issues. I rap about Palestine, Israel. I rap about conflicts in the Darfur. And then you realize that, hey, you know, you live long enough, these things are going to get, they're going to play out. And those songs may lose their timelessness. And, you know, you got to dig deeper and make it about the human condition or what have you. But I think Blame Muslims is something that may not, you know, 
Like if I made a song about North Korea and South Korea, like that, that might eventually no longer be relevant. But right now, I think blame Muslims isn't something that's going to go away anytime soon. You know, historically, those conflicts have been around forever. So, and it's like, yeah, somebody, I'm not Muslim, but people think I'm Muslim, and, and they come from a hateful perspective. What are my options? I can't be like, hey, I'm not Muslim. Go find a Muslim, pick on them. Like that's not, I'm not. I can't throw somebody else under the bus. You know. So I think that was a reaction to that, because especially in, some people in my community were taking it upon themselves to do that. Like let's differentiate ourselves. Ourselves, which isn't our heritage. We weren't the people that were ever avoiding conflict. We're a martial group. We don't need to avoid conflict. It's okay. We don't need to. We historically have not had this entitlement to a safe space. Mm-hmm. We understand the the reality of the situation that we're, we're rarely going to be in safe spaces and that, you know, if we prepare ourselves, we can actually thrive in them. And um, I think that's what, what, what that came from. And um, the video was so much fun to shoot. Working with kids, I love working with kids. Uh, in small doses. And that video was a perfect example because each kid, I gave him a bunch of lines to recite. And they're just dope. They're just very easy to work with. They have fun. They give you moments. Mm-hmm. They do different things. And their parents are super cool. It was just, it was a really funny, probably one of the most fun I ever had. It was like a two-day shoot. And I'm just like, the energy, the buzz you get working with kids is super dope. I used to be a school teacher, so I just reminiscent of that. So it's, it's children in moderation work for me. School teacher was a little too much, uh, but working on them for a two-day shoot, you know, and having a new kid every 20 minutes is it, more than enough for me. That's why it's good to be like an aunt and an uncle. It's like, oh, 20 minutes, two hours, good. Yeah. But, I, but I'm not going home with you. I, yeah. I'm not spending more time than I need to. Exactly. Exactly. Small doses. Exactly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Now, anything you want to say? Um. Yeah, I guess one of the things is it's called Righteous and Ratchets Volume 1 for a reason. This was a little bit of a rush project. Uh, in Canada, I was working with Apple, and I was releasing a commercial with them. So speaking with, with, with the team of people who were helping me and advising me, it was like, hey, get, let's have a project ready. And I had, I had about two months to put something together. So what I was doing, what Righteous and Righteous was supposed to be, was about twice the length. And it was really a question of, all right, let's pick the specific songs that, A, we can get done in time, because they were more farther along and B, reflect kind of what was being said. But there was about eight or nine more that were supposed to be a part of this collection that um, now I have an opportunity to finish. So I'm thinking I can even start blending them both in together. And again, it's just going to be this journey, more feeling, less headspace, again, and trying to help, I guess, tell other people's stories. I think that's super important. Or telling a story that everybody is living but we're all in the same shoes sometimes and i think just continually telling those stories and i think and beyond that just coming out with some dope ass music videos just making sure some dope ass music videos continue coming yeah thank god for for my book because the the book is uh, doing really well and that's allowing me to kind of fund these projects and not really worry about trying to get money back from a music video so that's not something that makes a lot of money back but you know i'm able to now spending those years kind of setting up a business around my art you know, having dope people like Lily who created this environment for me to really just be art first and really be like, look, come here to California, come here, stay at my place in L.A., work on that long-term project, you know, work on it, do what you have to do, and here's equipment, here's whatever you need, here's, you know, a lot of the, here, here, let's rip out some pages out of your book of excuses and, like, let's get it done and no distractions here, no family, no no shoveling snow, no nothing out here, let's get it done. And I recorded the whole project in her walk-in closet. 
Yeah, so she lived in a condo, and it was very high ceilings, and the only non-echoey place in the entire condo was her, her walk-in closet because it was full of clothes. Mm-hmm. And then when she moved to a house, same thing. These high ceilings out here in California just make everything echoey. <laughs> so, uh, again, just went to her walk-in closet, set up the mic, you know, put the laptop there, um, and shout-outs to DJ J Static, uh, who himself is an amazing engineer. Uh, he he executive produced and engineered the whole project and you know so f- I'm allowed to just record finals on GarageBand and these guys got the magic to polish it up fix it up I will we lost the files for and JJ was still able to master it to to match everything else he's he's a wizard he's a complete wizard in that department he's like the 40 to my drag he's just amazing yeah and super proud that was my first music release in seven years but now i think i'm in a position now where i can start releasing more and i'm going to be uh looking to strengthen the community my community of artists and, and taking everything i've learned over the past couple of years and help empower them and really try to create a movement. That's something that we haven't really had in the South Asian community. Is we've had a lot of one-off artists, but we don't have continual movements. It's time to set that up and make some really dope shit and have a lot of fun in the process. No, I love that story because I I see you guys record in the closet every so often, like when you. Got, but I didn't know the whole project was done in yeah. there. That's super cool. And you know, I mean, the people who do rap, they know that like that's the place to go to do it. But also incorporating the fact that you have an engineer and you send it to him because some of these kids think that they could just make raps in the closet and not get it engineered and just put it out and it's like no take the time to make sure that it's yeah and if you're young i mean and i guess not about being young this is just my excuse but if you got the time yeah pay money out your pocket for an engineer but sit there and learn from them you gotta look at russ you know, whether you like his music or don't like his music, you have to understand because this man engineers and produces his own stuff. He is 100% the song. There is nobody else in that equation. And from an artistic perspective, that's super impressive. From a financial perspective, that's a lot of money. He's making a lot of money because there's few people. And it's not, it's not even a greed thing. He learned how to do it very slowly. I think he's 11 years in before he started making this this new head waves. He completely deserves it. And um, he recently posted a picture of where he performed in Toronto. It's this bicycle shop. I performed there as well. And it's like a 30-person venue. And like now he's doing an arena. So, I mean, engineering is important. If you don't know how to do it, definitely worth investing in somebody who can. But at the same time, while you're paying them to do this, sit down with them and learn. And YouTube videos, tutorials, and, and doing that. So I've been practicing. Obviously, I got somebody so good that it makes me not want to practice. <laughs> you know, if I put out more mixtapey stuff, I can I can engineer that myself. No, that makes sense. And you mentioned your book. If you guys haven't checked out the books, make sure you do. Like, just little, you call them nuggets, right? Little the nuggets, nuggets yeah. of knowledge that... Two pages per chapter. Yeah. Very simple, easy to read. Don't have to read them in order. And so necessary, too, because just the idea of unlearning is so important, especially as you get into your 20s and 30s and you realize that everything you were taught isn't necessarily exactly what it is and how you're talking earlier about like gray spaces like it's not good and it's not bad it's just like okay maybe unlearn this and figure out another way to interpret it just look at it like a video game you know you're on level four certain skills you got to pick up and do then when you get to level 18 some of those skills that you need on level four you need to let go because now they're just bad habits and and other things got to pick up new things along the way and a lot of us are carrying around the tools that we needed as children to survive but they're no longer relevant. They might be holding us back now. 
You know, we don't need to be wearing our trust issues like a badge of honor anymore. You know, we got to be open to this new world. So real. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on and reach out to me. Just say hey or let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. And I always like to leave you with what you should listen to next. You should definitely check out the podcast called Sit Down, Be Hungry. It's a super fun, well-produced podcast all about food. They tell you about the food that they've ate, they give you food news, and they even have a little challenge at the end that I think you'll enjoy. I was also on a couple episodes ago and just had such a great time, so I'll leave their link in the description. Check out Sit Down, Be Hungry. And as always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.